This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. And it's time for Javier's creation to come to life. That's right. It's 2023. It's January. That means it's time for Japanuary. Yes, sir. You know, we're almost four years into this damn thing. This Uh, is the fourth calendar year that we have done this. Yeah. uh, And for whatever reason, I let Evan have his Haas month, but I never gave myself anything. And I think we're probably going to do a, l- a couple more themed months because it's not that we're running out of wrestlers. Th- here's the thing: wrestlers keep existing, and people keep retiring. Yeah. And so we're just gonna we're just gonna keep doing them. If we do episodes on tugboats, thousands upon thousands of these people. If we could do a whole episode on Harker Holly, we could do episodes on anybody. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about <laughs> it's true. it. True. And we got lots of ideas, but this is the start of Japanuary. Javier, what are we doing for Japanuary? Uh, my thought with Japanuary, there's been so many Japanese wrestlers, so many big time names and so many different promotions that I I figured, you know, four weeks in January, sometimes five, depending on the year, may as well just throw four different promotions out there, choose some people that have been top names in those promotions and fuck it. Let's just pump one out every week. And like this month, we're doing All Japan, we're doing NOAA, we're doing New Japan, we're doing Stardom. That's not even all of the Japanese promotions. Like we're still that's missing even like, some. That's not even remotely half. I'd say it's so four of the most prominent by far. Yeah, I would I would argue that they are the four most prominent. Yeah, probably. Aside from but, like FMW or something. Yeah, like but we're still missing some, which is crazy to think of. There's that many. Yeah. Uh, in such a small <laughs> geographic area. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's probably where wrestling, I would say, it's its most popular. Yeah. Just because it's over there, realistically, it's like a sporting event. It's yeah. It's not like and it's, an entertainment thing. It looks fun as hell. Uh, I did text one of my boys while watching these Kenta Kobashi matches, because we're covering Kenta Kobashi today. And while I was watching them, I texted him and said, man, if we were like 10 years older, we would have been those kids trading Japanese tapes. Like we would have been those kids growing up, like as teenagers, because this shit is amazing. It's fucking awesome. Um, I'm. I think that my the best part for me about when I came back into my wrestling fandom in 2014 uh, was going back through all the independent stuff and then finally getting that. Uh, that door opened for me with Japan because they, it wasn't until 2014 that I really started watching anything from new Japan and stuff like yeah. that. I knew it existed. I had seen, you know, the off match here and there, but it, it, it wasn't until really I started following it in 2014. And obviously that led to wrestle kingdom in 2015, which we got that fucking incredible match between Okada and Tanahashi in the main event. And life has never been better. That's the other thing I want to do with Japan. One of the things I've loved most about this podcast is wrestlers who I'd heard of or never seen or sometimes never even heard of 
going and watching five other matches and get, gaining an appreciation, right? Seeing wrestling in a different way. And I think that's what people who listen also get sometimes. I'm sure that in the, this yeah. is episode 146, I'm sure we've given you a wrestler you've never heard of or that you've heard of but never seen a match of. We've probably had a wrestler that I've never heard of in this. Probably somebody from not UCW. maybe not like a title episode, but like definitely a match with yeah. that involves someone. I have absolutely no idea who they were. I still remember the fact that when we did the Steve Carino episode, you're like, I've never seen a thing with Steve Carino in it aside from ROH. I didn't know he existed in ECW. I, I genuinely did not know Steve Carino was in ECW. Fair enough. And then I now have Ishii in my life, my favorite person. He's just the best. And I've seen him. I saw his face before. I'm like, what a terrifying looking man. And then because of an episode, I'm like, wow, one of my favorite wrestlers now. And honestly, Kenta Kobashi is on that list. Holy shit. Let's talk about Kenta Kobashi. Yeah. A man who's been on this podcast one time previously, I believe, which was really? the Samoa Joe episode. Yes. 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 The uh, Probably the best match that didn't make the cut uh, on this episode is his match against Samoa Joe at Final Battle 2005, I believe it is. Yes, it uh, was. That was on the Samoa Joe three-parter. It was the match of the year for Wrestling Observer Newsletter for 2005. And just for a little context, if you go to Kenta Kobashi's site, he has seven of them things. Sorry, eight of them things. Spanning from 1995 yeah. to 2011. Javier... Who is Kenta Kobashi? Kenta Kobashi was uh, a very, very prominent name in All Japan Pro Wrestling. All Japan was... Okay, so there's New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's that's Inoki's promotion. Yep. We'll get more into that later on this month. Uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling was the giant Babas promotion. Yes. There were two big Japanese guys um, in pro wrestling from like the 60s to the 80s pretty much and beyond a little bit uh which was giant baba and enoki egos got into play and that's why they ended up going their separate ways and yeah giant baba's promotion was all japan pro wrestling all japan like new japan obviously didn't have one specific top guy it had it kind of rotated the ace but it really was fundamentally built like new japan is with the the, the three musketeers pretty much all Japan had the four pillars. Yes. Uh, in the 90s, or really starting in the late 80s, but into the 90s, there were the four pillars of All Japan, uh, all of which feature in this episode. Yes. Kensa Kabashi was one of them. And honestly, I would say Kensa Kabashi was probably the most popular of the bunch. He is the most popular. From what I've seen and heard, it seems like Misawa was probably the best wrestler. Absolutely. But Misawa, and, I would say, is more of the, the like, let's say Kobashi is like, quote unquote, the John Cena yeah. of that time period. Uh, Misawa would have been like the CM Punk. He's like still, he's probably just as popular, uh, but he's popular in a different way. Give me, give me comps for the other two pillars. I like this. Oh my God. So if, uh, Kobashi, if Kobashi is Cena... And Misawa is punk. Who is Kawada? Oh, Toshiaki Kawada. Kawada is like Danielson, I would say. But okay. like a heel version of him. Yeah. He, he's kind of like, it's hard to compare with that era. I, I mean more Cena in like, he's like the figure. He, yeah. He, like he's like a larger than life figure. Yeah. Uh, he's whereas, a superhero. Yeah. Whereas Misawa is more the grounded, super popular, excellent wrestler. Not that Kabashi isn't an excellent wrestler. 
Yeah, very much is. But he's more of a superstar uh, in that sense. And then Kawada, I mean, Kawada was just an excellent fucking heel who put on excellent matches. Uh, eventually, it does go babyface, and he's just as popular. But as a heel, that guy was on top of the world. So maybe uh, so, yeah, some maybe, Ran- like maybe some Randy Orton vibes. Yeah, we we got some ha- Randy Orton. I would say is a good comp for him. And then we've got the fourth pillar, which is Akira Tawe. Um, I believe his first name is Kira. Yeah, uh, but is. Tawe is definitely his last name. Um, and he is just he's like fucking Kane. He's just a big dude. He's he huge. The fuck out of everybody has a big ass head. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say, <laughs> I would say fucking Kane, like popular Kane. Um, but that. realistically, it's like uh, I don't know. In that time period, it would have been uh, Kane. I, mean, I just the, yeah. Kane is the first D- person that comes to mind. Diesel, like. A, a big wrestler. He's more. He's, he can move a lot better than Nash ever could. Yeah, he, he's like athletic Kane. When Kane was yeah. like two thousand one Kane, he's without the Kane. without the really weird convoluted backstory. Or like Undertaker, you know, like yeah. he's one of the top guys. But without I don't think Tawe was weirder, ever really even more convoluted backstory. Yeah, I, I just don't think Tawe was ever really looked at as the top guy, but he was definitely obviously one of part the of the players. group. Yeah, yeah. so. Back to Kenta Kobashi, started in All Japan in 1988 and was trained by Dory Funk Jr., Giant Baba, who were all part of the All Japan kind of system they had there. He debuted as a professional wrestler in February 1988. He was booked by Giant Baba to lose his first 63 singles matches. He lost every single one. It was all part of his plan because he was booked as like the scrappy... He's, he's a very charismatic guy. He was booked as like the... He's going to give a gutsy performance in every single one of these. Never say die, all that stuff. He won Rookie of the Year from the Japanese press despite losing all of the time. Yeah. That's a good and indicator. He's fucking good. Yeah. And then he, he would slowly but steadily work his way up the card and in 1994 get his first shot at the All Japan Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship. That's our first match against Dr. Death Steve Williams, September 3rd, 1994. Steve Williams is someone that I cannot wait to do on this podcast. He I already is, wrote him down as a future episode. He is fucking amazing. And he is absolutely going to be a double, uh, a two-parter at least. Because that guy's catalog is insane. Not only just his matches in Japan, he's had a bunch of uh, stuff over here, overseas. Uh, he's just, he's one of those guys that like, was just so physically imposing in his own way. Yeah. It's hard to explain. He's kind of like, honestly, like the guys like Jeff Cobb or Jonah, uh, Bronson Reed nowadays, like where he's he's not very tall, but he's just fucking big. You know that that trending audio right now on TikTok, the big boy one by SZA? Uh, sure, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't TikTok. Oh, you should TikTok. It's a great way to just shut your brain off for hours at a time. <laughs> No, Bro, Twitter it's, it's, for that. It's from an SNL skit, and where she talks about for the for the winter season, you need a big boy. Doctor, that oh, yeah. Steve Williams is that big boy. He, he absolutely is, and he's a hairy ass motherfucker. And if you're wondering where Kobashi is at his in his career at this point, uh, he wins Most Outstanding Wrestler from the Observer Newsletter in '93 and '94. So he is at yeah. the peak of his powers right now. He. See, here's the thing. This motherfucker's LeBron James because the peak of his powers last for a fucking decade. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about Kabashi. He took like a little hiatus from, I, I think it's like 99 or 2000 to, to the early 2000s. 
because uh, he had knee surgery. Yeah. Then comes back in like 2002, 2003, and he's just putting on fucking banger after banger after banger for like four years before he finally starts to wind down. He does take a break from August 2000 to February 02 and continues yeah, to surgery. be incredible. It's like when Ted Williams went to war, except obviously not as extreme. <laughs> like Ted Williams was like, I'm the best hitter in baseball. Leaves, fights a war, comes home. I'm still good at hitting a baseball. <laughs> He's got this shit it's on true. lock. It's true. That's, that's also me pandering to our Boston audience, which in our last 30 days has been our biggest American audience. Kudos, Boston. Shout out to Raphael Dever signing that extension, baby. We're back. I'm, I'm going to put this out there right now. This is one of those episodes where if we go Matt, like every move by every move, we will be here for four hours. Ed, here's the thing. We might still be here for four hours. That's the worst part about it. You'll you'll see it already how long this episode is, but Javier told me ahead of time because he picked the matches, obviously being the J- Japan guy, and he's like, "You're going to need to start these well ahead of time." And yeah. I said, "All right." And then I was like, "Well, how bad can it be?" Uh, this is the third short. This is the middle length match, I believe, and it's yeah. 44 minutes long. Yep. And the worst part is, like, you're you're sometimes deceived by these clips where you're like, oh, you know, this thing is 45 minutes. What the hell? And then you look, it's like 10 minutes for entrances. And there's like something that happens, like the the person grabs a mic and starts speaking to the crowd or they do like a send off thing because it's the main event. And that takes up another 10 minutes in the back end. So the match is realistically like 20, 25 minutes. Now, these things start right when everyone's in the ring. And then they end with the finish of the match. I think of the five. There's two that have post-match shenanigans of like three minutes long. I'm like, oh, all right. (laughs) So let's talk about kind of the strategy of the match. What was the story of the match? And we'll talk about some, maybe some big moves or or things we'd like. What was the big point of the match here? Man, it's just, it's really just Kobashi trying to figure out how the fuck to beat this dude. Because he's so big. So you could see really early on that he's like, you know, he's getting chops in. He's trying really to weaken him in any way, shape, or form. He's just trying to, like, the best way to beat a big guy is just fucking beat down the big guy. So that's exactly what he's doing. He's chopping the hell out of him. He's trying to, you know, he does a couple gator rolls here at the beginning. He really starts targeting the knee towards the early middle part of the match. And and that's really the focus of it uh, all the way through to the end. Which is is he's methodical about it. He gets drop kicks to the knee. He, yeah. he starts stretching it out in any way, shape, or form that he can. Uh, he, he he hits DDTs and stuff like that. He's really trying to get that head trauma in there. He's trying to either knock this dude out or get him to ta- or get him to give up because he can't f- freaking move anymore. I always love because obviously you love seeing a little guy versus a big guy in the match, right? It's obviously like oh, that's an easy story to tell. You know, it's great. Kenta is this weird mix of he's really. He's big, but he's not giant in any way. Yeah. And he's, he's got a barrel chest, though. He's exceptionally strong, but he's also quick. He can kind of fit any mold. Whereas he go up against Dr. Death, and it's like, okay, you're actually at a disadvantage in terms of strength. How are you going to play this? And his strategy was, I will hit him with everything I have. Like, there's this one stretch yeah. right at the beginning where Kobashi drills him with a couple of shoulder blocks, drop kicks him through the ropes. It's a DDT on the outside, a scoop slam onto the floor, and then a crossbody to the outside. He is coming up with everything. He's like, fuck it. Yeah. Kitchen sink. Everything I got, I'll throw it. Also, it's 1994. 
that was maybe the cleanest top rope crossbody to the outside. And how is nobody losing their minds in 94? Everyone's just like, oh, no, that's a cool thing. What do you mean? This hasn't been invented because in America in Japan, yet. Evan, that's, that's, that's why. <laughs> Literally nobody in America, America had thought they of this yet. If this were America, this the, the ceiling would have been blown off. If this were the UK, the building would have blown up. Um, I just know somewhere RVD is just taking notes. Like, hmm, yeah, that looks good. Let's do that. Uh, yeah, you could tell Kobashi was watching some some steamboat. Uh, yeah, but it, it's just really interesting. Like there were a lot of power moves. I, I would say that um, Steve Williams, Doctor Death's uh, arsenal, this entire like he was in his fucking bag this oh, entire yeah. match. Like at one point, pretty early on, he throws on a regal stretch. Yeah, uh, he he fucking hits a, a, an avalanche uh, belly to belly off the top overhead belly to belly off the top yeah. rope, and then he he instead of going for a cover or anything, just grabs uh, Kobashi by the side, just hits a fucking gut wrench power bomb for a near fall. He also <laughs> has one of the another guy because there's a small list of acceptable bear hug participants, and yeah. Doctor Death is on it, and once. Kobashi is on his way out of the bear hug. He just turns into an overhead belly to belly, which is insane when you know the size of Kobashi. Like Kobashi is listed 6'1, 255. He looks taller than that, he though. Sure, he really does. He looks like it's like when John Cena is listed. Like John Cena is 6'2, but John Cena doesn't look 6'2. You know? Well, here's the thing, though. Also, the average wrestler has gotten shorter in John Cena's tenure, and so now John Cena really doesn't look 6'2". Well, it's more just like, it's because I saw... No, John Cena actually is the opposite. He looks shorter than 6'2". It's also because I see him fucking fight Randy Orton so many times, and Randy Orton's 6'5", fucking huge. So he looks like a fucking child compared to Randy Orton, and then it's just, you know, I, I would say that, like, you know, when you go to an indie show and you see a guy who's like six one, like fucking Seth Rollins, yeah. Especially nowadays, Seth Rollins before looked like a shorter dude, and then nowadays he's like the average height of the roster. <laughs> yeah, it's true. One thing I like that Steve Williams does, I like a lot of the stuff he does. Um, Steve Williams, Doctor Death, football player, previously in his life, uh, he frequently just pass blocks. Like <laughs> he will explode out of the corner or from the ground with just two hands directly to the chest to just push the guy back and give himself space. Yeah. And he does uh, that a couple of times here, and it's it's awesome every time. This match is also uh, the start of a trend that, that we'll see throughout this entire episode, which is Kenta Kobashi's hands must be the softest hands in the world. Oh, yeah. Because that man has never hit someone with a chop that they sold. Kobashi loves rapid chops more than any like Ric Flair loves chops, but he milks them because he likes attention. Yeah. It's also why he says he got Eric Bischoff a job on, on his podcast, <laughs> which n- nothing I love more because it it doesn't mean anything. But I love when old wrestling figures just beef for no fucking reason. Just it's, and Bischoff has said it came out of fucking nowhere. Just be <laughs> mad for no reason. Because, like, if your job wants to be, you want to start, like, I have nothing else to do, so I'll just start shit on a podcast. And then here's us just being like, look at Kobashi's soft hands. Like, the difference in what we talk about. Uh, but, yeah, he hits so many rapid fucking chops. And I watched these matches on 1.5 speed. And it's... I was watching them on 2.0. I'm surprised you even saw his hands. <laughs> it's crazy. He's so fast. There is... 
I think it's the last match that uh, that's here. At one point, he hits like rapid chops to the chest for like 15, 20 seconds yes. straight. And you barely see his hand. <laughs> oh, let's start talking about some of the moves near the end. One of the big moves that Kobashi has in his arsenal is a moonsault. Yes. And he hits a beautiful moonsault. He hits a rapid series of knees, then a German with a bridge for a two count, then goes up, hits the moonsault, gets a two again, tries once more, nobody home. Then one of my favorite moves, maybe of this entire episode, Kobashi knocks Dr. Death to the outside with a drop kick and then hits a, not a baseball slide, but a drop kick through the middle and bottom rope. Catches Williams clean in the face. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> right wow, that's, that's precision. Yeah. Uh, I will say, for as soft as his hands are when it comes to chops, they are hard as hell when it comes to spinning back fists. Oh, yes. Because... Good lord, at one point, Dr. Death is on the apron, just wipes the fuck out of him with a spinning backflip, knocks that, or backfist, knocks that man off that shit, and then comes that dropkick that you mentioned. Yeah, it's awesome. He, he also, I just, this entire match, I kind of was just in my head picturing, if Hulk Hogan watched this match, he might have a heart attack. Why is Because that? the amount of just leg drops that oh, Kobashi yeah. hits. And just, scoop slams. Yeah, leg drops like it's. Fu- By the way, it, it, it's not even just that he hits leg drops. He hits leg drops like they're fucking punches. Like yeah. he'll just drop a leg on someone, drop another one, and then just do something else. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going for covers. He's not doing anything. It's like it's. I'm not going to punch this guy. I'm just going to leg drop him. But also, Hogan would watch it and be like, "They're not no selling, but they're allowed to Hulk up." It's like yeah, because they're using. If they get a little bit of momentum, they it feels more natural when these guys do it. Yeah, because it's not a punch to the face, and then you wave a finger in their face like to come in Matumbo. Like that's not it. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just uh, maybe it's just because I'm used to the Japanese style, but I always feel like a Hulk up or a power up or, or a fighting spirit, you know, flame and stuff like that. Like that, that it's just so fucking cool uh, because it's it's in a way like realistic. Like you're you're getting towards the end of the match, and you're just like all right, now it's time to kick it in. I have to kick in this extra gear because I yeah. need to beat this person. Uh, and, and that happens a lot here. I mean, fucking, there, there's, there are near falls uh, left and right, and, and the crowd is so hot for this match. Like, that's it's the true. thing that really caught my attention towards the end is this crowd is in Japan where they're respectful. They'll just clap. Uh, they, they give you a light chant every once in a while because, yeah. you know, uh, but they, they're, they're or, really, or an, oh. yeah, yeah, because it's, it's a respect thing. Like they don't want the, the, to take away from the, the action that's going on in the ring. So, so they prefer to give you a clap. They'll give you a, a, a little noise every once in a while because they don't want to, to drown out the audio because they are showing respect for what's happening in the ring. Um, and at one point here, fucking Dr. Death hits a over the head belly to belly for a deer fall. And I'm like, he's going to kill this man. Yeah, he really is. Huge uh, back and suplex he, by, by Dr. Death. And both yep. men are down. Only a two count because he crawls over to the cover. Then we, uh, we get the finish. Another back suplex where Kent's head hits the turnbuckle. Ow. Yeah. Uh, he crawls around the ring, which I love. He's got this survival instinct Kobashi does of like, get me the fuck out of here. But Williams catches him for a third bridging back suplex and gets three count, retains the title. Yeah. And honestly, 
I think it might have been the right decision in the moment. But fuck me, dude. That crowd wanted Kenta Kobashi to win this match so bad. Yeah. So bad. And if it was like a fan service time, I feel like they would have pulled the trigger and been like, yeah, Kenta Kobashi. But like they had the, it's the long term plan, you know? We're gonna yeah. ride all Japan for... was the the king at this point. New Japan was not. It, yeah. All Japan was the promotion uh, in Japan at this time. This is the dark days of uh, New Japan, right? The nineties. Um, I would say they are basically. I wouldn't say it's the dark days. That would come on a little longer, uh, a little after this. They are they are more so still building talent. It's like if if all Japan is like the WWE of Japan at this point, the New Japan is probably like their AEW. Okay, so it's not. It's 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 a one-two. Like New Japan isn't exactly. I wouldn't say they're thriving, but they're not. uh, They're nowhere near like in a dark period. Yeah, I love that you're going to annoy some AEW fans by saying that. Well, I'm an AEW fan. Like you know, it's at some point you just got to be realistic about it. Like one company is getting billions of dollars, whereas the other one just is getting millions. Well, the other one has a billionaire putting millions into it. Not bad. Yeah. The other one's also got a billionaire putting a billion into it. (laughs) We are going to take our first break. And when we get back, we are looking at a tag match between all four pillars of all Japan pro wrestling in the 90s. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back from the break, it is June 9th, 1995. Kobashi is teaming up with Mitsuharu Misawa, against Akira Tawe and Toshiaki Kawada, who I did not know had a tag name together, and it is incredible. They are called the Holy Demon Army. <laughs> you know what's that- fucking... Do you know what the name of, of Misawa and Kobashi's... Well, it's a stable, but, no. but what their team is called? What? Super Generation Army. It's, it's an army fight. I love it. Uh, <laughs> this is match of the year for Tokyo Sports, as it fucking should be. Uh Talk about this yeah. match. <laughs> this, I I say this, this is the first time I've seen this match. Um, I had heard of it through Reddit and stuff, basically, pretty much. Like, it's been talked about, but I, I'd never gone out of my way to watch it. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to not speak in hyperbole when I say this is probably the greatest tag team match I have ever seen. I want to correct myself. Uh, Kobashi has... Eight match of the year awards from Tokyo Sports. He has only six from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. My bad. Oh. <laughs> this was match of the year for Tokyo Sports, but not for Wrestling Observer. Which, this interesting choice. 
That's uh, I can't I can I don't even want to know what the fuck Dave chose because this is absolutely this should have been match of the year. I I honestly I I'm not even joking. This is the greatest tag team match I have ever seen. Um, I think that th- it's between this and maybe like DIY revival of Toronto for me. Uh, but that one just had like the emotional build to it, which is why I feel that way. The uh, match that beats it for Dave is Manami Toyota versus Kyoko Inoue. So maybe that's fair. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, but like, here's the thing: pretty good. Man. You've got probably the greatest tag team match of all time going up against a match that maybe isn't the best women's match ever. You know. For those who do watch this match, and I recommend that everybody watch this match. Yeah, this is I, absolutely the one I recommend. If I have to pick just once, this one. And if you watch this match and you do not speak Japanese, let us clear up for you who is who in the match, because that will help. Uh, Kobashi's in the orange trunks, Misawa's in the green tights, Tawe uh, is in the red trunks, and Kawada's in the black and yellow tights. I'm really glad that they coordinated their colors so nobody matched. This is nice. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, Misawa w- always wore the green. I don't know what he was when ECW. Um, I-, I never watched Misawa in ECW. That's that's you. Uh, but but you- green, green was his thing. I Misawa was never in ECW. He didn't. No. No. Who am I thinking of? Who's the Who's the Japanese bloke? You thinking of Masato Tanaka? I am thinking of Masato Tanaka. Who also is on my list of people to cover soon? Oh my god, Evan! I have fumbled on the on the pod. That's, That's crazy. Okay. I I, uh, I mixed up the Tokyo Sports Match of the Year and the and the Juan one, so. Oh, well, that's that's argu- that's arguably more egregious, considering one is a reputable source and the other one's Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah. So I mean, yeah, Misawa always wore the green. Um, actually. Gunther started using his finisher recently, the 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 Flojin. Yeah, yeah, he did. Which is fucking awesome. I love that. It's a great finisher that no one uses. <laughs> um, uh, so Kabashi and, and Misawa being on the same team here is fucking insane. It's like that one time that Randy Orton and John Cena teamed together. That's mm. basically what that's like. It's it's like how Kenny Omega and Okada this morning, uh, as of the time of recording, at fucking. <laughs> New Year's Dash were teamed up together. Yeah, it's a wild crossover event. The match itself, the big focus, is Kobashi being the weak link specifically because of an injury to his leg. His thigh is extremely yeah. taped up, so that is the entire focus of Tawe and Kawada, is they are just going to take out the leg of Kobashi, and they tell a really good story with it. Yeah. It is this entire match, uh, like almost from the beginning, pretty much. They they target the knee. I believe it's Tawe, uh, who immediately starts going in. Uh, I don't know if he hits a chop block or if he drop kicks the knee or something, but but that's the thing that that's pretty much the linchpin in this entire thing. Is he 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 gets a move on the knee and then immediately it's just Tawe and Kawada going to absolute work on that thing. Yeah. The other thing uh, that's a problem early is Kawada does some dirty tricks. He does a drive-by big boot on Kobashi who just tagged himself out. And that's a big problem is they are pissed off because Kawada is... You're not supposed to hit people on the apron. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah have some respect. Have, have some, some respect. decency. Uh, yeah, he keeps doing that too. Whether Masao's in the ring or Kobashi's in the ring, he'll try to take out the person that's on the apron. Um, and, and to be fair... 
makes sense. Like yeah. you don't want the person coming in there and breaking up a pin. Um, and, and yeah, very early on here, as they're working the knee, Tawei puts on a clover leaf at one point. It kind of yeah. looks like a sharpshooter. It's sharpshooter-ish, but, yeah, sharp I, I it but he, he's so tall that he can't really sit down. Yeah, I called it a clover leaf just because it looks more like a clover leaf. Um, it, it looked fucking great though. Uh, Kawada's just a dick, pretty much for the first portion of this match. I texted you during this match. And I said, I fucking love Kawada. I think he is... His ability to tell a story strictly with me... Like, I don't speak Japanese. I don't know what commentary is saying. I don't know what the guys are saying. He just radiates, I'm an asshole energy. He's just such an ass. And he does everything. And he's got this smug look on his face while he does it too. It's incredible. You know what's funny is I I believe Kawada is Eddie Kingston's favorite wrestler ever. I believe Kawada is the person that inspired him to become a wrestler. Eddie Kingston is a man of impeccable taste. It's him. It's Junakiyama that that we he actually got to wrestle uh, late last year, yeah. and and, uh, and and obviously like a bunch of these guys. He he very much has said like yeah, the Japanese tape trading is pretty much why I'm into wrestling. Just, just um, Eddie Kingston going down to the bodega, getting a couple snacks because he just picked up a new Kawada tape and he's ready to party. <laughs> I, his mind must have been blown when he fucking saw this match. <laughs> um, Kawada at one point here hits a haluva kick in the corner and then just oh, yeah. a bunch of knees. The ref gets in the mix to try to like pull him away to like, yo, like he's in the corner, like stop. Uh, he pushes the fucking ref out of the way and then Misawa's like, hey, yo, what the fuck? So he gets in the ring, Tawe gets in the ring and like a brawl like breaks out. Yeah. Kobashi comes in and immediately gets chopped down by Tawe. He even just tosses Masawa onto Kobashi's bad leg. Uh, yeah. Kawada hits a leaping knee onto the leg itself. And it, it's really good the way they're working. And there's a break in the middle where they work over Masawa instead. Where because yes. Kobashi's so done, he's, he's not even on the apron. He's just out. Yeah, he's just like laying on the fucking ringside map because he can't do anything. Um, at one point here, Kawada hits a fucking jackknife powerbomb. It's... <laughs> It's so clean, and he does one of the that really funny fold over, where you don't even yes. just fold the legs over from from like being in front of them. You just like put your whole body on top of them. Like fuck it, this is the pin I'm going with. Uh, he and then he puts Misawa in this like fucking I don't even know how to explain it. It's like cattle mutilation. Yeah, but it's like he's like stretching the head one direction, the arms going the other way. It's fucking great, but it's like sitting too. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, and then Kobashi's finally able to get back into the ring to break that up. Uh, Kobashi gets a hot tag. It's not a hot tag because he can't move. Yes. <laughs> but it's a hot tag in reaction, and it's a hot tag because he's on top. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're trading leg kicks for a while, Kobashi and Kawada. He finally catches one and just does the rapid chops to Kawada's <laughs> neck. He just loves a little chop. He's like giving him a little massage to the neck. Uh, and then he knocks Tawe off the apron too. Yeah. That. And Tawe does keep powering out though with a, with some big boots. Yeah, the the fucking fighting spirit from Kobashi in this sequence is strong as hell. And this uh, that is brother the got match the warrior. Where I realized this is the match where I realized, wow, what excellent selling by Kobashi. Hell yeah. Because no matter how much he's exploding with offense, no matter how much he's doing all this, he's doing it gingerly. Because he doesn't have that left leg fully functional. Or he's doing the burst where he has the adrenaline and then immediately grabbing the leg and being like, oh, yeah. fuck, this still hurts. Yeah, because he's not really doing any offense that involves, 
you know, like a true damage to the knee, like the explosion with the chops. Like, yeah, he'll go through and he's hitting like a fucking actually i will say at one point he sells very well because he tries to get a tiger suplex i don't i think it's on tawe yeah. um he can't do it and then calls misawa over and they hit like a tandem uh like a like a joint tiger suplex on, i did like on that. that dude i did like uh, that which is just like it's the little things about the selling in this that that make it really fucking good yeah uh let's talk about some of the moves that happen near the end because this shit gets wild uh, I did not know Masawa had a frog splash in his arsenal. <laughs> but he just goes up top, hits a frog splash on Kawada, and then follows it with a senton, a moonsault by Kobashi, and yet Kawada kicks out. Yeah. Uh, right after that, uh, Masawa hits a German, and then there's like a... I didn't know what to call it. It happened a bunch of times throughout these matches. It's not a straight jacket suplex. No. like it, Because they wrap both arms. Like, they're gunning them up for, like, a glam is on, like the glam slam or whatever. Yep. But then they just hit the soup, the, the, like a German off of that. It's I don't a, know what it's to a, call that. It's a double arm German suplex. Yeah, sure. It's basically the best way to call that. Um, at one point, uh, there's a tiger bomb. Tawe gets in, breaks up the pit. Uh Tawe then decides, I'm going to go full fucking 2000, 2001 Kane. Just starts choke slamming everyone straight to fucking hell. At one point, choke slams Misawa off the fucking apron. He had no fucks left to give. Uh, we get uh, a rolling front kick by Kawada to Misawa. Uh, then it's the, cho- the choke slam off the apron, like you said. Uh, Misawa rolls all the way through the ring to avoid being pinned. Yeah, and then the fucking beauty of storytelling in this match is when... So Kobashi, this entire match, has been like doing his best to get in the way of offense because he wants to protect Misawa because Misawa is clearly the one that's healthy, albeit beat up. Um, and at one point here, he literally crawls on top of Misawa yeah. uh, and takes all the punishment from the heels because he knows, like, listen, I'm cooked. Like, the goose is cooked on me. <laughs> it ain't going to be done. me. Yeah, it's got to be this dude. So I'm going to make sure that he takes as little damage as humanly possible in this ending sequence. Misawa's then able to roll away uh, a little bit. He fucking... Kobashi prevents Kawada from hitting a powerbomb on him. Uh, and it doesn't matter because Tawe gets into the ring and then the heels hit fucking tandem powerbombs on the baby faces for near falls. Yeah. Then we get another back suplex. Misawa still kicks out. A jumping kick. Another powerbomb. And they fold over Misawa. The heels win. Yeah. That shit was fucking crazy. All I wrote at the end was that this match is incredible. We said at the beginning, this is the match to go watch this week. We skipped over a ton of action. Go sell, go see Kobashi sell his ass off. Hell yeah. This is one of the best sell jobs I've ever seen. Like genuinely. Um, and, and at one point here, I get one of the best, <clears throat> I get one of the best tag team combo moves. It's the first time I'd seen it. It, it. It's probably the last time I'll ever see it. And it's the most like ingenious thing I've ever seen. Kawada uh, on a back, like gets, I think it's Misawa for a back suplex. Or no, it's, it's Kobashi. He gets Kobashi in a back suplex position. And then Tawe gets right next to him, grabs him by the fucking throat. And they hit a back suplex chokeslam combo. It's incredible stuff. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I know this has nothing to do with anything. But 1995 Misawa... Looks like a Japanese Sandy Cohen from the OC. And I just need everyone to know that and to think of that when you watch him. It's the hair and the eyebrows. 
Come on, man. I was just watching. I was like, that looks like Sandy. Come on. I'm expecting him to like, like munch a bagel and yell at Seth Jesus. for not talking to girls. Incredible <laughs> stuff. Let's move to 1998. Uh, it is a match against just Kawada. It's, it is our boy Kenta Kobashi versus Toshiaki Kawada. Kawada defeated Masawa for the first time in May for the Triple Crown Championship, and now Kobashi gets his shot. Kobashi has won the Triple Crown Championship before at this point. He had defeated Tawei on July 24th, 96, and lost to Misawa January 20th, 97. There's a theme here. It's these four guys. <laughs> they yeah. just trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like how uh, there, was a, there was a stretch of WWE there. It was pretty much just the Shield guys with the, with the big titles. Yeah. And then Brock. It was the Shield yeah. guys and Brock. <laughs> or the... the Long stretches were Cena, Edge, Orton, Orton, Edge, Cena, Cena, Edge, Orton. Random Triple H. <laughs> yeah, a, a sprinkle of Hunter. Uh, what do you think of this match? I thought this was really good. Um, I, I don't, I think as far as everything uh, factored into it, I think this is probably the weakest match of the bunch. Uh, Which is weird. It, not to I say that it's, it's bad. Because it's really good. I think it's that there's not as much story to it. It just doesn't... Because at this point, like, Kawada feel is apparently, like, not a... They don't really have a strong rivalry. Like, they have a rivalry that's going back a long time. But, like, it's... They're just kind of coming back to it. Like, yeah. No, and the, the storyline through the match is just... This is a little spam finishery. Even for, for like, these level of matches. Yeah, I would say that this is absolutely spam finishery. This is very much like... Uh, a fucking ROH pay main event, you know. Yeah. It's 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 really fucking good. Don't get me wrong. It's ex it's an excellent match. It's just compared to everything else, there's just an element to it that isn't there that all these other matches have. Yeah, and because like looking at Kawada, some of his finishes, like the back suplex, and he spams the shit out of this this match. He probably has at yeah. least at least eight in this match. It's, I would be shocked if it's not. It's it's at the very least like five six. I want, to talk about a move, I want to talk about a move that Kobashi has in his arsenal that he's really good at, and it's the DDT. Because early on, they have like a little bit of a slap fight. Kawada loses because Kobashi hits him with the DDT. Do you know what DDT stands for? No. I, th- I was thinking about this because I had written DDT a couple of times. He hits it in some of the matches we already covered. Um, there's a rumor. There are a bunch of rumors as to what DDT supposedly stood for. Because obviously Jake Roberts is the one who popularized it. Things like Damien's Death Trap, Damien's Death Touch, Damien's Dinner Time, Double Diarrhea Tightrope, Drape Drop Takedown, Drop Down Town, Downward Dome Thrust, and the Death Drop Technique. When asked what Jake meant, what, when somebody asked Jake what DDT meant, he famously just said, the end. <laughs> Which, I, I like that. That's a, good, that's a good line. It's true. If Jake hits a DDT, no one's kicking out of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently... It just came from the notorious poison, like the chemical, the pesticide, whatever. Um, the, and Jake has said that in shoot interviews. I just love the idea of it being the double diarrhea tightrope. Like, what What the fuck is that? Who's the, who said that? I, I don't know. know who the fuck said that. Anybody can edit Wikipedia, though. Anyways, uh, so when the match starts, uh, there's, there's a very good test of strength at the beginning of it. They're very methodical yes. in the beginning. Um, I would say as far as technical stuff goes, the beginning of this match is probably as technical as any of these matches get. Yeah. Um, like at one point, 
Kawada has his elbow right on Kobashi's lat, and he's just like rubbing it in, really driving it down into there. Like it's just a lot of good mat wrestling. Um, and then it just devolves into a straight up slap fest. Yeah, the slap fight, like I said, the DDT comes after that. And there's a long stretch of no one, neither one of them really having control for that long. I think that's the yeah, other thing like, that's interesting is there's no long stretch where one guy's out of it, it seems. Like there's a stretch here where it's Kobashi DDT, like in my notes, Kobashi DDT, Lariat by Kawada, Exploder Suplex by Kobashi, uh, Kawada uh, high kick, Kobashi spitting back fist, and then he gets tucked into uh, a German suplex for a near fall. Kawada powerbomb. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's really much like a back and forth, back and forth. And moving a little ahead, uh, there is a spot where the surprise Lariat by Kobashi, he'd been kind of down for a while. He hits a surprise Lariat, gets the two count, and then he wants the moonsault because it's the only finisher he hasn't spammed yet. Truly. Yeah. Aside from the finisher, which we haven't seen yet. Very exciting. One of my uh, favorite finishers in wrestling. It's so great. uh, Kawada manages to kind of roll away from the moonsault. Then they have a chop fight, a spinning back chop to the neck by Kobashi, a powerbomb with a flip over bridge. So now he's stealing Kawada's moves. Still getting a two count. Then he hits the moonsault. Kawada still doesn't go down. And I was like, okay, this is... This is the era where it started getting a little ridiculous. Yeah, Kawada at one point has an arm trapped in like a it's a it's a cross he it's like a it's like a weird position and then he puts on a cross arm bar for a little yeah. bit. Uh, Kobashi, although his arm is a little spent, does end up hitting a, a a lariat out of desperation with his other arm. Yeah, um, because Kawada just kind of kept kicking the one that was injured, so he kept uh, he was really focused on the left arm. He kept kicking it, and then so Kobashi's just like, fuck, I need something, uses his right arm and just absolutely decks the man. I should have done this earlier. I didn't know I had this arm. And then it really just kind of leads to the ending. Uh, Kobashi hits another massive lariat for a near fall after there's a slight delay, gets up, hits a third one, one, two, three, that's it. Kobashi wins the match. I do like the variety of moves that can end matches in Japan. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's one of the key differences that I think I like the most and that I see in this Kobashi match. Yes, they spam their finishers way too much in this one. It's still a, it's still an excellent match. Like, I'm not going to take it away from it. It's still a really good match. It's just yeah, not um, the same as some of the other matches. I will say I love more than anything Kobashi's ability to end matches in different ways yeah um you know there's the finisher obviously which came along i would say he he more so started using uh at a more frequent rate after the injury yeah uh, he debuted is, this year 98 was the yeah. year the year of a debut yeah uh he 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 absolutely started using it more uh post injury uh but you know as he started slowing down more he needed that move pretty much because he couldn't you know do a lot of his other stuff anymore but but no it's cool like he can end it with the move he can end it with a lariat he can end it with with a back suplex he can end it by getting his his shoulders pinned down to the ground as we saw in the first two matches yeah moonsault he's got he's got all these yeah you can end it with a lot of different stuff it's it's really i i think what makes kenta kobashi so fucking awesome is the diversity of of kenta kobashi in the ring as a performer um, and just as a character, like he's just overall this guy who 
is a star, knows he's a star, and carries himself like a star. And that star is going to be on his way out of All Japan. When we get back from the break, we're talking about the departure of pretty much everyone from All Japan and the creation of Pro Wrestling Noah. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Back from the break, in January 1999, All Japan founder and promoter Giant Baba died, leaving the company in the hands of his widow, and uh, Masawa was president. However, uh, Motoko Baba's proposed direction for the company, Masawa did not like. So instead, he departed the promotion in May of 2000 to form a new one called Pro Wrestling Noah. All but two native stars left alongside Masawa. One of the ones who stayed was Toshiaki Kawada. Kawada stays in All Japan. Uh, eight Gaijin stay and memorable names Mike Rotunda, Stan Hansen, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, all those guys stay. But the rest Loyalty. of them all, all go to Noah. Uh, I did not know why it was called Pro Wrestling Noah. I assumed it was an acronym like everything else. It's not. Do you know why it's called Noah? I have no idea. The name alludes to the biblical story of Noah, in which people and animals in the ark survive the flood and make a new beginning in a new world. Masawa, awesome. Masawa loaded up his ark. He's like, anyone who wants in can come. And everybody did. And, and the, he brought one everybody. Of the, one of the big jewels was Kobashi, who was the All Japan Triple Crown champion, a.k.a. their top guy at the time. He left. That's yeah. tough. I will say, uh, this is this episode is the only one of the four that you know goes away from the, the, the base promotion of All Japan. And it's more so because I don't think you can tell the story of Kenta Kobashi without the Exodus, yeah. but also because it's really fucking hard to find all Japan matches. It's true. They're, they're hard really to find. Really fucking hard. So Kobashi has really bad knees at this point. Year 2000, yeah. knees, are, knees are pretty shot. However, they really needed him to still be a big guy in the company to kind of like get him off the ground. Makes sense. At the biggest Noah show of the year in 2000, December 23rd, he defeated Jun Akiyama, who had become kind of his rival, was a tag partner for a little bit, and then became yes. a rival with him. Uh, then I think his, Jun Akiyama might have actually uh, been a part of Super Generation Army as well. I think he was like the, the junior member for a little. And then like... Yeah. He was their uh, Yuta Wheeler. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good reference point. Which is he weird, because he's like two or three years younger than Kobashi Misawa yeah. in that crew. Unfortunately, Kobasha would then need to, the next month, take time off for his deteriorated knees. He would take 13 months off for healing and have multiple knee surgeries. He came back in February of 2002, and he reformed his pairing with Misawa to face off against Akiyama and New Japan's Yuji Nagata, which didn't expect to hear his name in this episode, but here we are. 
And, you know, the whole thing was him building up to try to regain or gain for the first time, I guess, his uh, uh, the GHC Heavyweight Championship, which is the top belt in NOAA. We are now going to his GHC Heavyweight Championship match against old friend, old rival, Mitsuharu Masawa, March 1st, 2003. Another, like, match of the year candidate. For context, this is on a lot of people's best matches ever list. Just full stop. Yeah. Uh, And it fucking should be. (laughs) It slaps. These guys are, like, what, in their late 30s, I would say? 2003? Uh, Let me see. No, Kobashi's 55 now. Kobashi was 35 for the match. Okay, he's uh, I'll, 35. I'll look, I'll look up what, how old Masao was. Well, Masao, I mean, Masao, I believe, passed away when he was like 41. Masao passed away when he was 46. So he was okay. 40. He's 40 in this match. Damn. And it's just, it's insane to, to think about like just how fucking good these guys are, but how early they started. Like Kobashi was like probably like 21 in, in 88 he was, or whatever. He was 21, yeah. Yeah, when he was really going for it, like it's it's just it's the longevity of it too that that's really insane to me. Um, but no, I mean this is we get to see the goats collide. To me, like two these are two these are two guys that are in the Mount Rushmore of Japanese pro wrestling. Like it does not get it's like these two. I was gonna say give, my, give me the opinion. give me the Mount Rushmore. You can't say this that and my, not this do is, it. This is my opinion. I am not putting Anoki there because I think Anoki is more of a, a figure in Japanese wrestling that transcends the ring. Um, so I'm going to say it's these two. I have to. I don't give a fuck. I'm putting Okada there. I knew you were going to do that. I have to put Okada there, and then that leaves that last spot for a bunch of different guys. I mean, there's there's Chono, there's there's Nagata, there's fucking uh, Tanahashi. Uh, there's all these other guys that that came through, like you know your your Kawadas, your your Akiyamas. Uh, you you think of even you know a, a Marafuji on that list for a more recent example uh, outside of New Japan. But I'm gonna put Tanahashi just because he carried the company in a way that you know he had to be that central ace that they needed at that time, and, and it really launched uh, New Japan to the point where they are now. So. I'm also putting Okada on there for reference because I'm still considering the fact that that motherfucker's got another 10 years of dominance. That's coming. true. He he won't stop. He he just keeps going. He's still the best wrestler in the fucking world. And he just keeps going. I think a weird thing that's happening in wrestling right now, and it's a good thing, is in the last couple of years, legitimately every year, there's like a a good handful of people who have the claim of the best wrestler in the world every year. And it's like how the NBA is like the best it's ever yeah. been. Like the NBA yeah, right now is more talented than it's insane. ever been. Wrestling is yeah. the exact same. The talent pool is stupid big. That's why we need I mean, more companies. I would say, I would say in the ring, I think it's it's Will Ospreay. Um, I think Will Ospreay is the best in the world right now. But you could also, if you said, oh, it's Seth Rollins. Oh, it's Brian Danielson. Oh, it's Kenny Omega. Oh, it's it's Okada. It's yeah. Hangman Page. It's John Moxley. I'm not gonna fucking say no. <laughs> I like that you did not acknowledge him. You didn't acknowledge him. He doesn't show up as often. That's also, true. I'm say I said like more, you know, more so in the ring stuff. I love Roman, but I'm never gonna consider Roman one of the best in the ring in the world. WWE, hell yeah, in the world's tough. Do you remember when they said he couldn't wrestle? God, what idiots they were. <laughs> they being stupid. the people. All right, trying to go through this match bit by bit would be. 
insanity. So we're not <laughs> we're not even going to try it. Um, what was the general story of the match? Let's go through that. Uh, it's it's really much an ebb and flow. Like you could just tell these dudes are not these. Like this story of this match is that these two guys are fighting for more than just the belt. It's absolutely for more than just the belt because it, it's really like Misawa's. Th- this is his company, you know. Yeah, it's his company. So why the fuck is Kobashi the central face? <laughs> and you could tell like he's yeah. got that in him. Like he he's really like trying to get that as well. Like I want to be the guy, yeah, uh, because this is mine, bitch. Um, but Kobashi, it's very much just like I only just came back within the last year or two. Like, yeah. I need to prove myself still. Like, you were the guy. Like, I was the guy, too. But you were the guy that I was compared to. And it, I need to show, like, yeah, it's fucking me. You know, it really much felt like this was a battle for the best. It's also this great story that only certain wrestlers get to do, which is the we know each other so well, let's counter yeah. everything. Like it's so you have to have had such a long and storied rivalry to be able to do that. The beginning of this match is just both of them knowing exactly what the other ones are going to do. Like the counters yeah. at the beginning of this match are stupid. They're legitimately blocking. Like they're playing Street Fighter. Like here's a spinning backfist. No, there isn't. Here's a like I know exactly that was coming. Here's a Saito suplex. Nope, flipping the pressure on that. Exactly. And what that leads to is them doing things they normally wouldn't do. Like. There's a spot where Kobashi has a sleep run. Misawa escapes. Then gets dropkicked to the outside. Uh, Misawa dropkicks him to the outside. Then a baseball slide. Does the fake out dive where he flips over the ropes onto the apron. Tries yeah. a splash, but Kobashi dodges, so he hits the steel railing. And then Misawa, seeing an opening, just does a half Nelson suplex at ringside. Like He's like, fuck it, this is different. Normally we don't wrestle out here for this long. Let's brawl. Let's brawl for it all, baby. Yeah, uh, at one point back in the ring, there's a cravat hold, and you could tell what what's going on here. Like there, you could you could really tell that uh, Kobashi's going to start focusing a little bit on the yep. neck, but so is uh, Misawa because spo- a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. Both of their finishers involve the neck, <laughs> which it's the best thing to do. Like it's it's the most annoying injury. I'm going to say. Like, well, yeah, if you fucking break your neck, you're, well, you're no, pretty no, much no. what I mean by that is like, <laughs> if, if you have, if you have a, like a certain body part worked over in a wrestling match, the most annoying one would be the neck. Like if my neck yeah. hurts, everything hurts. Everything's awful. Yeah. And there's so much that you could do to fuck up a neck too. Like you could slam on it. You could stretch them. You can like wrench their heads in different ways. It's just, I oh. know I've told this story before, but I will remind the people that I once pinched a nerve in my neck eating a hot dog at a music festival. So, yeah, neck injuries suck. I had to get, like, massage therapy rehabbed for, like, three weeks after that. I had to go to a hospital. Eating a fucking hot dog, man. I turned too fast to talk to my boy, and I just pinched something. And I was drunk, and then I went to a Tyler the Creator show, and we moshed. And then I got home, and I was like, wow, everything hurts. I had to go to a, I had to go to a French-speaking hospital at 7 in the morning. And I don't speak French. <laughs> Bashi gets a leg drop for a near fall. <laughs> he also then follows right that right up with a fucking. They get out on the ramp because it's Japan. There's always yeah. a ramp, uh, and, and he hits a DDT on the ramp. Yeah, and at that point, I'm like, oh shit, is getting real. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really good moves in this match. 
This is also the Tokyo Dome, by the way. Yes, that's the other thing I forgot to mention. This is the first ever Noah Tokyo Dome. Sh- oh no, sorry, no, this isn't the Tokyo Dome. The next match is the Tokyo Dome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yes, last yes, match, correct, is Tokyo correct. Dome. I knew I had gotten that down somewhere. Up. Yeah, I got those mixed up. Uh, we get a jawbreaker in the corner, half and half suplex, and then a fucking master lock with a grapevine by Kobashi. Yeah. He has done one of those moves before. <laughs> He's just always adding new shit. It's amazing. Chops to the back of Misawa's head. He snaps up. He's just eating chops. Starts throwing elbows. You know, it, it's it's crazy. Misawa also, and I I know we joke about this. There's never a bad sit up powerbomb. Misawa's sit up powerbomb is nuts. Oh my god, the tiger bomb. Oh. He just he just puts like he doesn't even do the tiger bomb this time. He just did a sit up powerbomb, and it's just he's got like snap on it. Instead of just letting yeah. the guy comes down, he uses his whole body. Yeah, I will say the way that he makes it safe is like a little thing it's such a little thing but it, it's perfect he puts his he makes sure that immediately he's able to get his legs down yeah so he like yeah. kind of stops himself with his legs first then he hits with his uh with his ass and then the person follows that so he really is bracing not only his fall but also the person's fall by getting there first and it's just uh, like the fucking little technical stuff on that misawa was so fucking good so fucking good. It really is a tragedy that we lost him so early. Kobashi sup- does, has a suplex attempt. This is a little later on. Masaba lands feet first on the apron and then suplexes Kobashi onto the ramp over the apron. Then we get a dive through the ropes to take down Kobashi. A double uh, that ar- double arm German that we talked about yeah. off of the ramp onto the floor. What? <laughs> yep. Why? For no fucking reason, Evan. For no reason. Kobashi uh, gets back in the ring at 19. And for those of you who were like, why was it 19? It's a 20 count in Japan. Yeah. And then if we get we get one of my favorite finishers in all of wrestling. Yeah. Talk Misawa about it. hits the fucking Flosion. And I don't even know how to explain what the Flosion is like, Evan. Can you? I, I can't. <laughs> he, it's like... I want to say it's kind of like white noise, but you just tuck them even more and it comes off and then you, instead of falling back, you fall a little to the side and it's just, it's just, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's so fucking good. It's just so good. It's so visually stunning and I'm very happy that Walter is using it or sorry, Gunther is using it. Uh, it's a near fall, by the way. He f- fucking Kabashi kicks out of the Flosion because of course he does. Masawa really wants a Tiger Driver. Kobashi back by drops into escape. Double clothesline. Kobashi wins the second clothesline. Falls on Masawa. Delight, because he had so much energy that he just kind of flopped onto him. Gets a shoulder up. Kobashi then hits a brain buster. Kick out. Absolutely spiked the man. Then it is time for the craziest finisher of all time. I would say, personally, the number one best finisher in the history of pro wrestling. Kobashi uses this finisher like a handful of times in his life. Yeah, because it's also probably one of the most dangerous finishers in the history of pro wrestling. Describe the burning hammer for us, Javier. The burning hammer is it's an inverted uh, FUAA, attitude adjustment, whatever you want to call it. So he's got the person sat down there like in a... In, in, you know, he does the, the fireman carry motion, but instead of flipping them all the way through onto their like stomachs, 
he just fucking spikes them straight down on their fucking neck. Tell me your reaction to seeing the burning hammer. I know because you already told me before the match, before we started recording, but tell the people. <laughs> yeah, let me turn my volume down a little bit here. Um, it is quite literally, I wrote it in all caps. Burning hammer, oh my fucking God. Javier watched this at like nine in the morning and just fucking lost his shit because of a burning hammer. I was hammer. losing my mind. It was, I, I love that move so much and he hadn't hit it yet in any of these matches. Um, and, and I know it's because he adopted it late in the 90s. But, man, it's – oh, my God. I love it so much. And no one hits it better than Kenta Kobashi. Like, I, I know Kota Ibushi at one point hit it uh, in the, the Cruiserweight Classic, and that popped me like a motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it done a handful of times throughout the years. Nobody has ever done it better than the originator. He wins because he doesn't lose when he hits this move. He, yeah, he no, he, you don't kick out of the burning hammer. No, he doesn't. You don't kick out of it. He doesn't bust it out for losses. Um, this was Wrestling Observer Newsletter match of the year in 2003. It's the third singles match between Misawa and Kobashi to have that honor. They did it in 98, they did it in 99, and 2003. And when you thought Misawa, or you thought Kobashi was done, surprise, bitches, here's the match of the year for 2004. Coming and the at you. crazy shit is... We already mentioned earlier on this podcast, 2005, he got it too against Samoa Joe. Yep, but we already watched that one. This is the match, the first ever Noah Tokyo Dome show, July 10th, 2004. It is in this reign of, with the GHC Heavyweight Championship. Kawashi has a reign that I think lasts two years. And one of his opponents is Junakiyama, one of his former teammates, a like protege, even though he's like two years younger than him. The Wheeler yeah. Yuta of that of that army, you know? Uh, and that's the match we're talking about. Tell me about Janakiyama. I don't know a lot about him, but I've seen the name for a long time. Uh, well, he was on Dynamite a while back. I, and I, I, remember, I remember people popping for it. I was like, okay, I know this name, so I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a central figure of All Japan because they still had the pillars. And there was a, there was a couple of other guys, too, that were also just as uh, popular as... I would say as popular as the four pillars guys, but not entirely, um, you know, there, uh, yeah. you know, they, they were just kind of in the mix, especially with super generation army. Um, and I, so Akiyama was really just kind of lost in the shuffle there. He was a guy who's incredibly talented, insanely talented, but just hadn't been able to reach that point of prominence. I would say like, you know, modern day wrestling, he's probably like your, uh, let's say it's ADW. He's like, uh, I don't know, maybe like Hangman Page. No, not even. Because like Hangman at least had his, mo- like he was one of the more popular guys. Um, Maybe like a Ricky Starks. I was going to uh, say I Ricky Starks, yeah. Yeah, in WWE, he's probably like your Finn Balor. Owens. Yeah, Finn Balor, <laughs> Kevin Owens, someone yeah. in that range. Like, you know, he's a, he's a very popular guy. He's, in, he's always in the mix, but he's never at the top. Another thing to know is that not only was he tag partners with Kobashi and Misawa, they also won like tag team of the year almost unanimously across a bunch of promotions in 1999. Like Kobashi yeah. and Akiyama were the tag team in all Japan in 99. So these guys have a lot of history together. So it makes sense that they put out an absolute banger of this match. And speaking of bangers, Mauro Ronaldo's on the call. Mauro Ronaldo is on the call because I believe this is streamed through Fight because that's yes. what Noah had the, uh, the affiliate with. And it's Look, man, nothing to me will ever top what two, mid-2000s Noah was. 
Like I've gone back and looked through a bunch of that. I mean, you've got your your stupid young Kenta, you've got your Morishimas, you've got uh your your young Marifujis, uh, you know, your, your Junakiyama coming into that 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 prime range in there. Yeah, Kobashi, you still have Misawa. It's just so many names. They just kept coming and coming and coming. And my God, no wonder fucking New Japan was in the bin. How do you compete with this shit? It's true. It's true. It's- Except for just wait them out, pretty much, and that's exactly what happened. My God! Uh, but really no, good. this match it's it's it starts off with a test of strength because it's this the pretty much what this match is. It's very much Junakiyama trying to prove himself in his yeah. own way uh, that yo, I'm the fu- it's my fucking time now. Like Kobashi, you you've been the guy for way too fucking long. Like it's my turn. Um, it's it's very much like uh, you know it's it's hard because you don't want to say it's like the guy. You know the younger guy coming up against the older guy to take his spot because these guys came up around the same time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's not really that. It's not really the old guy, young guy dynamic. It's more just I've been in your shadow for so fucking long. It's my turn. Yeah, and the match itself also weirdly plays on a like Akiyama is weaker or is, is not not the stronger of the two like obviously Kobashi's a giant man and he's he's very yeah. strong barrel chested now he's got getting old man strength too which is lethal hell yeah Akiyama's bigger than like he's taller than him yes it, it, you know what's funny is at this point i, I it, this was the match where where it finally hit me Kobashi's built like the animated superman yeah he's all upper body it's very boxy up top. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Big S on his chest. Actually, commentary calls Kobashi the Paul Bunyan of Noah at one point because he chops everybody down. Yeah. At one point, uh, they're having a chop forearm exchange where it's just rapid yeah. fire chop forearm. Like uh, uh, Akiyama's hidden forearms, uh, Kobashi's hidden chops. And it lasts like t- 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. Just straight rapid fire chops and forearms to each other. Um, at one point, you know, Kabashi had just come back uh, within the last couple of years from that that all those knee surgeries, all those knee issues. So pretty early on here, he put, he takes him down, puts on a knee bar, and absolutely wrenches the shit out of that knee. Um, he then just gets chopped to absolute bits by Kabashi. Yeah, like just fucking bits, man. Um, it, it's it's hilarious. And, and then so you know he just he just does that. And pretty early on in the match, we're probably like five minutes into to the five, six, seven minutes into the actual action here at this point. And June's chest is bright red. This is a tan individual. (laughs) (laughs) He is bright red. There's a lot of the chop fights. There's a lot of. There's a lot of Akiyama just using as much. It's very similar to the way that Kobashi attacked Williams in our first match. Like. I'm going to throw everything I have at you. Fuck it. What do I have to lose? Here's everything I can do. Like there's one point where Kobashi powers out of an arm drop. He does like the arm drop spot. Cause he's got the guillotine in and Kobashi yeah. powers out and he goes for like a run and attack at Akiyama. And we get maybe the biggest knee lift I've ever seen. Oh my God. He gets some height on that. He, shit. he just is like sailing to the moon and just knees this man in the, in the face back suplex. But Kobashi is a smart man. He locks on a headlock while on the ground. And yep. he's like, no, I'm not letting this go for any fucking reason. Akiyama tries the way you get out of most headlock spots. Stand yourself up, 
push the guy off and into the ropes. Nope. Kobashi just locks it back in. He tries to do like a back suplex. Nope. Kobashi just keeps it locked in. <laughs> yeah. There's the, it very much. It was the Sisyphus. Pro- he's pushing the boulder up the hill and anything he, that happens. Kobashi's like, no, fuck you. Like no, I have fuck a, you. I have a way to solve that. Give me something different. <laughs> and I, it makes you feel bad for Akiyama, even though I'm pretty sure he's the heel here. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh God, what is it? Is it family guy? I think it's a show where like, all those like Amish people run into the barn and then they keep trying to find a way to break the barn. And then after the barn gets blown up or broken or whatever, they just build it right back up. Nothing you can do to Kobashi is not a, is a thing he hasn't seen before. And then we get the rapid fire chops in the corner (laughs) from Kobashi. (laughs) My blood hits like 50. I get, I, I couldn't count because it was going so damn fast, but I swear to God, he hits like 50 of them. He just, lays in like so many of them and then he also does like a, a couple spinning chops to the neck yeah so spinning back fist yeah and, like he I, I think he tops it off with a spinning back fist to the neck uh and just absolutely drops june uh, akiyama he absolutely dropped him yeah and a, plus a, a suplex clean off the apron by kobashi i was like holy shit what is yes. going on here kobashi just at one point is spitting blood. I don't even know what that's from. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, I don't, I haven't seen a thing that, and then I remembered the knee lift and I was like, oh, maybe he lost a couple fucking teeth. <laughs> yeah. Maybe his teeth went up his fucking mouth. Um, we get this, a suplex into a power bomb at one point. Yeah. I, that's the best. It's a combo. Like he puts him up in the suplex position and then drops him Flips with a power bomb. Yeah. But it's the is, coolest shit I've ever seen. This is where Akiyama then is like, here's some new shit I haven't dropped yet. Here's a surprise album for your ass. Ready? Here's a exploder into the turnbuckle. Here is an exploder where Kobashi is on the turnbuckle and he exploder suplexes him to the outside. And then another yes. where they're both on the top turnbuckle and it's a super exploder suplex, none of which put away Kobashi. <laughs> he's, he's trying. He's like, I'll hit the best move I have. In a variety of different ways. And Kobashi's like, no. And then he puts... Okay, so then he, he gets Kobashi down. He has him down. And he hits a bunch of headbutts. Uh, <laughs> rapid succession. And then puts on proceeds to put on the coolest submission hold I've ever seen in my life. Where he puts the leg in kind of like a figure four. Like he makes... He puts one uh, leg wrapped into the other in the four. Like that four position. And then he puts on a guillotine while also having that on. Yeah. That shit's fucking cool as hell. Then hits another exploder. And this is where we get a really, really specific era reference by Moro Ronaldo on commentary. He calls Kobashi the Fedor Emelianenko of the wrestling world, which is a name I haven't heard. Also, Fedor, it's Fedor. Fedor, my bad. I wrote it down wrong. I haven't heard that name in since the year 2006. Like, yeah. For those who don't know, Fedor Emelianenko is probably one of he's he's probably the greatest overall MMA fighter of all time. He his older years have really kind of skewed that, but in his prime, he was untouchable. He was in the top promotion in the world, which was um uh oh my god uh 
pride in Japan. Yeah. And he was absolutely untouchable. He was beating everyone. They were everyone, all of his opponents were juiced to the absolute gills. He wasn't. He was just a big fucking Russian dude. Like naturally big. If you looked at uh Fedor in his prime, you would be like, Yeah, this dude's got the Nikola Jokic build. Yeah. Um and he was just dropping everybody. Uh, I believe that his only loss up until his actual first loss was because of like a illegal, like some sort of punch or some shit that it was got... a, a doctor stoppage TKO. Seventeen seconds into the match, yeah, because he got like this bad cut from like a from a glove or whatever. I'm looking um, at some of the ma- some of the the people on his hit list, and I'm talking like this is the hit list going from like let's say '03 to '09. We're like, talking- the craziest shit about this is Crow Cop could not, like, he is arguably the, I, I think he's generally the most talented heavyweight fighter I have ever seen. And he could not do anything because Fedor was in the way. Yeah. Mark Coleman a couple of times. Mark Hunt, Antonio Rodrigo Noguera. Yuji Nagata is on Emelianenko's yeah. hit list. I did not know that in the year 2003. But then he went on like a, a run where he lost a lot. You think he lost three yeah, straight? Yeah, in Strike Force he lost to uh, oh my god, was it the Brazilian guy Fabricio Verdum? Yeah, Fabricio Verdum, and then he just proceeded to lose his next two, I believe, after to that. Bigfoot Silva and then Dan Henderson. Yeah, and then he just he, it just spiraled out of control from there, uh, and it just has not looked good at all ever since. But in his prime, nobody touches Fedor. That's true. Nobody. And same with Kobashi. That's why Moro made the reference. I'm also going to say maybe a hot take. I didn't like having English commentary. I had gotten used to listening to just the match. And Moro's great, but Moro's like, it, great, yeah. it took me out of it a little bit. It's the other guy, too. The other guy it, was not contributing to the commentary at all. I, Moro is the only guy who can do solo person commentary in wrestling. I, and I stand by this. I think, styles. Well, no, but I mean now. Like if there's okay. there's no person that I could just listen to them except for Pat McAfee, but I need to be on the couch with him drinking. Ah! <laughs> I can I can I could listen to Pat call a match if it's just him fucking around. I don't know, man. Give me Pat and Cole. That 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 two duos just. I'm, t- I'm fun. talking solo. Like the only man who could yeah. solo it right now is Moro. Yeah, maybe Excalibur. Maybe actually, yeah. One match, he he, he's a fucking nerd. <laughs> I just don't know if you could do a whole show. And uh, some no. people will say you can do a whole show of just Morrow because his highs are way too high. And I get that. This is true. But I think if you knew it was a whole show, the highs he wouldn't reach the highs until it meant something. You know what I mean? And then we come back. Uh, they start trading suplexes in rapid succession. It's basically yeah. just Junakiyama hitting exploder suplexes. Kobashi following that up with a half and half suplex. So on and so forth. Uh, a lariat by Kobashi. Ju- Kobashi goes down because he's fucking tired after that lariat. Yeah. Uh, June gets up, c- takes a couple steps, and then just crumbles. <laughs> just collapses. <laughs> Scoop slam. Moonsault by Kobashi kicks out. So he's kicked out of the lariat. He's kicked out of the moonsault. There's only one thing left to do. What is that thing? He gets him up on his shoulders. Burning hammer. By Kenta Kobashi. I don't even have to say that he won the match. We, you know, that's the go home. That's a, We're done here. <laughs> Kobashi would retire in 2013. Obviously, he has a bunch of knee injuries. He actually would return to All Japan for just a little. 
Like he would be there for, I think one match. Cause they didn't, uh, Noah released Kobashi from his contract in December of 2012. So he went and had, he had one match in, uh, all Japan in 2009. He competed in a match, uh, against a couple of guys whose names I, I don't recognize, but you know, good, good for Kobashi. Got to go back one, one last time. But yeah, retired in 2013, has stayed retired, which is very yeah. rare, has stayed retired. He has... I believe he got married in like 2010 or 11. He 2010. Had a kid, and then from there, he just... It's just chilling. I, it really just feels like the passion kind of yeah. went away. You know, he, he got older. His knees weren't as great anymore. The quality of the mat... He's a guy who absolutely went out on top. What does he have to prove? Nothing. Fuck yeah. it. Leave. He is currently... Tied for third on most five-star or higher-rated matches from Wrestling Observer. So Okada, number one? Who the fuck is Okada is also tied for third at 23. Wow. Yeah. A guy we saw a couple times. I've never been able to guess the other two. A guy we saw a couple times is number one. Masawa. so Masawa. You are not going to believe who number two is. Is it John Cena? No. (laughs) It's, according to you, the best in-ring wrestler in the world right now. It is Will Ospreay. Really? Will Ospreay is already number two? By having a higher than five-star rated match at Wrestle Kingdom, I guess, he has now passed Kobashi on this list. Also, if you're wondering, wow. K- Kawada is twenty has 21 and is fifth, and Tawe is tied for seventh with 15. All of these people are in Japan. <laughs> uh, Barry Windham has five. <laughs> there it is. Barry Windham, my fucking is. guy. Uh, because I feel like people are curious, let me rattle off quickly the active wrestlers with more than five. In order from most to least, Osprey, Okada, Omega with 19, Tanahashi with 15, uh, Takagi with 15, Ibushi with 13, the Jacksons with nine, Naito with nine, Ishii with nine, uh, Ray Phoenix with eight, we have Zack Sabre Jr. with six, we have... Uh, Pentagon with five, FTR with five apiece, Adam Cole with five, and Walter slash Gunter with five. Wow. Yeah. What a list. No Brian Danielson, by the way. No. I, I My guess is he probably has three. No Brian Danielson, no AJ Styles. Man, this is, that is, I don't know about this list anymore. <laughs> you don't, you don't I know? Just don't. I don't know anymore. I think I'm noticing a bias here because there's no fucking way Brian Danielson's not on this list. Brian Danielson has three. I was right. He has, That's... and they've all been in AEW. Winter is coming against Adam Page, uh, Grand Slam against Kenny Omega, and the Double or Nothing Jericho Appreciation Society versus BCC. That's some bullshit. I, just off of the top of my head alone, I think that the match against Brock at Survivor Series is a five star match. Like, yeah, yeah, that guy had many five-star matches in WWE. Like, the Cena SummerSlam match, I, I don't know if it gets to five, but it's absolutely in contention. The The match against Punk at Over the Limit 2012, I think, is absolutely a, a, a five-star match. Um, but I digress. It's do Dave's me- list. Not do you remember mine. the story of the, of the cursed five-star match, a.k.a. the uh, NXT TakeOver New Orleans North American Ladder match? That's a five-star match, but my God... How the mighty have fallen. In all, is in the there? best person out of that list in WWE Ricochet? Uh, yes, a hundred percent. Is For he those who, first off? Is he the only one that's still there? Yes. Oh my god! 
For those who don't know, Ricochet, Adam Cole, EC3, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, and the Velveteen Dream. I love that match. I love that match too, but it's fucking cursed. Yeah. You know what? Normally I throw it to you to what you, your thoughts were. I didn't see any Kenta Kobashi matches before this, so fuck it. It's my turn. Um, yeah, it's your turn, man. He's incredible. I I can't explain how much I... The, the, I've never had FOMO for a wrestling period before. Because I watched a lot of the Edge yeah. I watched the SmackDown. Like, I did all that. I saw when NXT was at its peak. I have FOMO for... All Japan in the nineties. Yeah, I've never I, I feel the same way before. I I don't even didn't even have this when you you showed me Tanahashi and Ishii and all these guys in New Japan. I was like, this is cool. I'll go back and watch it. I missed it, but I so badly the fucking vibes of watching all Japan and these four pillars specifically. I know I would have been a Kobashi guy. I would have been Kawada and Kobashi would have been my two. I feel like I missed out. Talented, strong speed like he had everything and he also yeah. charismatic good good looking guy like he had the whole package it he knows how to work the he, crowd so well knows how to work the match so well it makes sense that he was this popular i get it i it's one of those things it's like yeah. i got an air fryer for christmas i get it i get why people like air fryers this much <laughs> kobashi is the air fryer of wrestling it's air fryers are fucking clutch man i'm they're shocked so, that it took you this long so good it's one of the things of like, I'm very much like an old curmudgeon of like, I already do things that do that. Like, I don't need an air fryer. I have an oven. Like, I'm, I'm one of those people. And then now I make my chicken nuggets in the, in the air fryer. I'm like, holy shit. Some Dude, even just nuggets. making straight up chicken like yeah, yeah. on there is a fucking game changer. Yeah. Sponsor us some sort of air fryer company. Well, dude, I will gladly whatever the fucking Ninja Foodie Plus. Or Speedy Plus, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Uh, the one that is a steamer, like, but also a air fryer combo. It says, hit me up. Hit yeah. me the fuck up. What do you think watching these matches? I love this, man. Um, Kenta Kabashi is awesome. Uh, there's a reason I chose him more than Misawa. Uh, Misawa is someone who absolutely deserves everything in the universe to me um i i was i am a masawa guy that's that's why i left him uh off of here it, just a spoiler he's not going to be the noah participant either yeah um he's gonna get his own thing somewhere down the line uh but because that it be, with him it's a legacy thing like you yeah. know he's we we didn't really get the end with masawa which is the, the tragedy of it all but um it's just he has to be there uh but kabashi man this guy is just he in a lot of ways really is like to the 90s i feel like what okada is now yeah. you know it's just it, but it was different because he's bigger you know he, and he's doing all of these things and he's telling stories and he's working a crowd but you could see where there are a lot of similarities between the two and that you're not going to find many people who are as high on Kazushko Okada as I am you just aren't i fucking That's i true. worship the ground that man walks on uh and and like i i do feel like he's in the like like you see a lot of that with Kobashi and I think Kobashi obviously did it to a much 
greater extent. Um, but man, it's it's just it's fucking great. All these matches were excellent. Absolutely, absolutely, everyone go watch it. The tag you match need to live yourself. The tag match is fucking that's art. It's art. Pick pick a second match. Pick a second match. Oh, the Masawa match for okay. me easily. I, I think an underrated banger of the bunch is this is the Doctor Death match. That match yeah. was fucking awesome. Um, and it's it's also a different style of Kabashi than any of the other ones because it's very much him working from underneath on a bigger guy. Um, and it's just it's everything here was good. Like if you want to watch the Junakiyama match, absolutely go ahead. It's fucking excellent, all the same. And here's the thing. All the matches this month are incredible. Next week, yes. we are looking at a star of 2010s, Noah. Katsuhiko Nakajima. Nailed it. Never seen him. Hyped to cover him. Yeah. Nakajima is very much that bridge. Like, Marafuji was the guy after all these, you know, older uh, original Noah guys retired. He kind of carried the torch a little bit. He was kind of their Akiyama, I would say, in a way. Yeah. Where he he was also a pretty big name in the 2000s, but he wasn't, uh, I would say, as big. Uh, and then he just kind of f- comes through uh, and, and makes his own path um, as the f- the kind of ace of that promotion up until Nakajima shows up uh, or, or really comes up. And then he kind of carries it for a little bit. He has one of their longer title reigns uh, of the last decade plus. Um, and, and I'm really, really, he's a guy that I chose because he's someone I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a learning experience for both the boys next week. Yeah. You'll I could have, I could have chose Marafuji, but I decided Nakajima might have been a cooler one. Join us for that. Join us also for our second mini sode. They drop on Wednesday mornings, same usual release time, 10 a.m. Eastern. This week's mini sode Rob Van Dam versus Eddie Guerrero, an IC title ladder match from May 2002. It has everything. It has Eddie in his fucking bag. It has Stone Cold. It has a drunk Canadian ruining everything. And it has a, a human. Uh, uh, well, fuck, I'm, I'm blanking. What the hell is the thing? The fire. Uh, ho- like the, you connect the hose to the fire hydrant. Connect the hose. Yeah, it has a human fire hydrant. That's a that's a good way to describe it. A human fire hydrant. You've never I, wait. It's from the it's from the SNL thing. I, I uh, know it's Stefan. This place has everything. You know the human fire hydrant. All right, uh, Javier, where can we find you on social media? I'm on the Twitter machine at JMelo Sports. It's linked in the bio of the the podcast account that Evan's going to give you shortly. Mine's there too. At it's Evan Gomes, I T S E V A N G O M E S. But most importantly, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Crossbody of Work. Go to fullpressshop.com, cop the merch, support the boys, get yourself a fancy New Year's shirt. That's not a thing, but it is now. Uh, fullpresswrestling.com, that'll have the link to all the matches. If you want the link to the tag match, we've got it there, fullpresswrestling.com. Wherever you're listening, rate five stars. It helps the boys out tremendously. We haven't gotten a rating in a long time. Rate it and say something. Put something underneath that the boys can maybe read on air. We'll read it. Yeah. We have an IMDB page. We Fuck do. You put that down there. And you didn't make it, and I didn't make it, and we have no fucking idea why it's there. But put no five idea. stars on IMDb or wherever you're listening. Who cares? We're we're so excited for next week. Japanuary rolls on. Javier, any final words for the people? Oh man, uh, you know the minisodes have uh, gave me a cathartic release uh, when it came to the life advice. Yeah, your mini advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this time we're gonna get a little bigger. You know, it's a new year. Uh, thankfully, I was. Lucky enough to be able to to make a pretty major purchase uh, within the last week. I got myself a new car. 
Ooh, uh, look at the kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, very happy with it. It is my dream car. I'm not gonna say it because you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll save that for a life advice a little down the line. Who knows? Maybe we'll, uh, we'll but, get a sponsorship deal with them. Exactly, but yeah. that's uh, that's that's not the 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 advice itself. The advice itself involves actually the process of buying a car. Um, one, if you don't know what you're doing, go with someone that knows what they're doing. I was lucky enough to go with my girlfriend's father who has purchased many, many cars. Yes. Uh, and he did like almost all of the talking. I went in there knowing what car I wanted, what I wanted in it and like what I wanted the car to have. And, you know, kind of asking, I just asked a lot of questions too. Um, but yeah, man, when it comes to buying cars, I would say, if you know what you want, go in there and tell them that and make sure that you get a good look at the car. Make sure that you're able to get a test drive. I was able to get a test drive free of charge. It was great. Uh, make sure that you know you really, when you're doing that test drive, are looking out for how this car feels. You know, think you don't think about how it feels now. Think about how it could possibly feel in a couple of years or in a few years down the line. Because if yeah. you're buying a new car, odds are you're going to want to keep that thing for a long time. Um, the Think about how much effort you put into choosing what you wear every day or choosing what you eat every day. You make that Zero. decision. Okay, well, <laughs> not you. People who give a shit. Uh, you make that decision every day, right? You buy a car once every five years, maybe. If, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, put a lot more fucking thought into it. Because I know some people who've gone and been like, I want th- just this car. I don't care what it costs. No, you care what it costs. You care what the rates are. Be responsible, yes. people. I also did not expect to buy a car when I bought a car. I bought it on the second to last day of the year. Apparently, uh, a good so, time to buy cars. Yes, the best time to buy a car every year is the last few days of the year because they're trying to get rid of all their inventory. There are a lot of special deals on with every uh, car manufacturers, especially if it's a dealership that's linked directly to a manufacturer as it was for me. Uh, it is very, very fucking convenient because everything just comes straight from the top. Uh, they have no control over it. Uh, I got a set interest rate that was very, very, very fucking good. I'm not going to be able to get something like that from a bank or something along those lines. Anywhere near that for the next two plus years. And I need a car. So I, I went with it. But yeah, make sure, uh, especially when it comes to the financial stuff, pay attention. Read. Uh, read. The stuff read the shit. And- Man, no matter what these people tell you, they're always going to, especially at that around that time of the year, they're going to be desperate to just sell you this car. So try to try to do as much as you can to get as much off as humanly possible. It's what I did. I got very lucky. I got as much uh, taken off as I possibly could. I got a very good rate. Uh, buy a car. Remember these things. We're going to we're just bullet point them now. Yeah. Drive the car. Yep. Go into the dealership knowing what car you want. Yep. Uh, it, Ask as many questions as possible. And when it comes to the finances, make sure the rate's good. Go in there knowing what the average rate for this stuff goes uh, it, it goes for at this moment. And also try to get as much money taken off as humanly possible. Be like, I don't know. Is there anything we could do about taking it off? I know blah, blah, blah. If, if worst case scenario, if they're really holding nerve on this, just say, I guess we'll just have to see what we can get at another dealership. Or yeah. what about so-and-so car? Like switch the car up because if they want to get rid of the inventory on the car that you want and you start talking about a, a different car, let's say you want you're trying to buy a, a Honda Civic and then you're just like, oh, this CRV sounds pretty good. They'd yeah. be like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll take five hundred off the top of the, <laughs> Not of the that one. 
They are eager to make sales. Let that let them make a sale to you, but hold your ground. Look at that good advice. Actual solid advice to start the new year. Go listen to Minisodes for some fucking chaotic advice and some very strange episodes. Join us next week as we talk about pro wrestling Noah again. See you next week. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.